Good morning, good morning, good morning. How is everybody? Amen. Hey, now you guys are a little more lively than the nine o'clock already. <laughs> Let's get right into the word. If you have your Bibles, hold your Bibles up. If you don't have your Bible, just raise your right hand. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. Now that was kind of weak. Uh, say, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to be taught the inspired word of God. And as I act upon the word, I shall receive the manifestation of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to somebody on your right or left and let them know that you're sitting next to. Uh, you're supposed to repeat that. Tell them you're sitting next to a world overcomer. All right. Now, the Bible says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And the Bible says this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. So what happens is that you may get in the middle of a faith project and um, you're still a world overcomer. You never forget about who you are. That's what the that's the trick of the enemy is always for us. Try to get us to forget about who we are. And when we forget about who we are, we'll go down to the level of our thinking. There's a scripture in the Bible. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. All righty. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, you guys might well get used to me. I've been over here like two, three times now. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this particular series that Pastor Rob started last week. It's, it's a couple of weeks ago. And we're talking about worship. And so um, but my part is just talking about the worshiping church provides. The worshiping church provides. So Socrates, who's the father of philosophy, said anytime two intelligent individuals get together, they need to define their terms. And so I want to define what, when I use the word worship, what I'm really talking about. What is biblical worship? Well, biblical worship is an act that is designed not only to bring honor to God, who deserves honor, but also to bring a spirit of obedience and submission on our part. So think about this for a minute. Assemble nine very different people. You have the class cut up who makes everything funny. You have the preppy kid with their very own BMW. You have the minority student from not so nice part of town. You have the human computer who would rather do calculus problem than do anything else. You have the huge football player who loves to bash things, especially quarterbacks. You have the school airhead who's not exactly headed for a career as a genetic science, scientist. Then you have the campus philosopher, political activist who loves to argue and, and hates shallow people. Then you have the quiet classmate who, for whatever reason, never fits in. Now, get, now give this diverse crowd a simple task to do together. And even if you could get them all in the same room, they never complete the assignment. 
what they most likely produce is nonstop arguing, bickering, chaos, almost like a marriage. That was another joke. So if, if they find it, so think about this. So how do you explain the first century church here in the book of Acts chapter 2? How, how did several hundred radically different people accomplish a complicated and time-consuming project of taking Jesus' message all over the world? How did they handle conflict? What, what kept them going in, in the hard time? What is that, that, what is that those first Christians had in Acts chapter 2 that is lacking, let's just say, at In Christ New Hope Ministry and Browncroft Community Church today? So today I want to, we want to answer these questions and improve our worship as the body of Christ. So a worshiping church provides that which is lost. And I submit unto you what was lost was the love of God. That's what was lost. That's what we really, in all honesty, we lost in the fall. We lost the love of God. Um, There's a very familiar scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16, that we know, and also John chapter 13, 34. But in John chapter 3, verse 16, notice what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if the scripture says God so loved the world that he gave, so the word love is an action word. That means that you ought to be doing something. You should be demonstrating something. And then in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, makes this declaration. He said, a new commandment that I give unto you. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not going to sell this commandment to you. I'm not going to loan it to you. He said, I give it to you. But do you know, if someone's going to give us something, we have to be recipients. We have to receive what God has for us. Can somebody say amen? All right. I like that already. So this new commandment I give unto you that you love one another even as I had loved you. Now, as a result of that, then the result of a worshiping church takes place. And let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. And this, is, this was the, the result after they had received the love of God into their hearts. So notice what it says. It says, and all the believers were together and had everything in what? Had everything in common. It's okay to speak up. Had every, everything where? It had everything in common. Then it says they sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Verse 45. Notice what it says. Uh, or was that verse 45? That was verse 45? Okay. All right. So now let's look at, at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 36. Now. Um, the, the things that we just got to talk about, those different people, those different individuals. So I'm not going to do everything like Pastor Rob does things and Pastor Rob doesn't do everything like I do things. But but we're in the same family. Right. And as a result, uh, you, you you're going to have to get yourself adjusted to me because I'm not going anywhere. 
right, so now watch this now. So, so notice what happened as a result of the love coming into our hearts. So notice here, it says, here it says, all the believers were, were one where? In heart and mind. So we're on the same page. It says, no one claimed any of their what? Possession was their own. However, they shared everything they had with great power. And this is as a result. Watch this after they shared everything. With, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace or God's favor. See, that's what grace is. Grace is God's willingness to use his power on our behalf, even though we don't deserve it. But this all came about as the love of God hit their hearts and they were of one heart. They were of one mind. And so you get here, you said it said, then it says here, they continue steadfast. It says from that time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles feet. And they distributed to anyone who had need. Amen. That, that, that's what happens when, when love is activated. So John 13, 35, now Jesus says here in that particular verse, can we get that please? Thank you. Um, in 13, 35, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Then he says this, as I have loved you, right? Now, love is not simply a warm feeling. I let that sink in a little bit. Love is not just a, a warm feeling. Instead, I submit unto you, it's an attitude that reveals itself in action. Right? Love is not what? It's not, it's not a warm feeling. Because, see, it's not a feeling. Me and my wife, we've been married now. We celebrated 41 years, July 4th. And the only reason I did it on July 4th, because I knew I couldn't forget that. <laughs> but, but, but think, so I don't, so it has nothing to do with feelings now. It's not, I don't get up, you know, one morning and say, well, I don't feel like I'm married today. Right? So, so I want that statement back up here. So notice what he says. Love is not a warm feeling. Instead, it's an attitude. So how is your attitude this morning? It's an attitude that reveals or unveils itself in what? In action. So love is an action word. Okay? And, and for example, um, Rob and, and myself, we've been friends now probably for about three or four years. Probably known him about six years, seen him in different spots. But then, you know, we, we started out, we said, we said, listen, this is not just a photo op, so to speak. This, going, this is going to be a relationship. And I told him, listen, because um, he called me up about some things. I said, listen, I'm not doing a photo op. Now, if you want to build a relationship, right, you want to build a relationship, then let's do that. And that's what we're doing. We've done. We, we, we have built a relationship over these last three to four years. So I come over here. You come over there. And since I've been over here, I've never seen you over there. I've never seen you over there. And, uh, but that's going to change. All right. And this is a great line to put my punchline in now. 
we, we have what is called a believers meeting. We have believers meeting every year. So the last couple years, uh, Pastor Rob came over. So uh, praise and worship team came over. Those guys, listen, they, they came over and they just acted like they were at home. They brought all this equipment. They was, you know, I'm saying who living here now? Well, I guess they're living here now. But that's what love will do. And so we're comfortable. We get comfortable with each other. So our believers meeting is September 14th, 15th, and 16th. Pastor Rob and, um, uh, uh, of course, praise and worship team. And I am personally inviting each and every one of you. I got a shot of every one of your pictures. (laughs) I'm inviting you guys over, and you guys will see to have some more information on it. But we build a relationship. The, and that's what love will do, though, to the point where on, on Sunday mornings, uh, sometimes periodically, I, uh, usually once a month, we don't say this is the Sunday we're going to do it. I'll get up 7 o'clock in the morning. I'll, I'll hear them. Hey, you guys have an amazing service this morning praying for you. God bless you. Love you, brother. And he'll do the same for me. It's not anything planned. It's just the love of God. That's why Jesus said a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another. Even as I, has, I, I, I have loved you. So how can we love others as Christ loved us? How can we love others? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I sure wish that so-and-so was here this morning. Well, you're here. So now I'm talking to you. I want you to think about anybody. I want you to, I want you to think about yourself. So how can we love others as Christ loved us? Well, We can do it by helping when it's not convenient. Helping when it's not convenient. We can do it by giving when it hurts. We can do it by devoting energy to to others' welfare rather than our own. We can do it by absorbing hurts from, from others without complaining or or fighting back. Now, all that, all that sounds good. I mean, all that sounds good. But now, you know, think about this. That's impossible for us to do. <laughs> and that, those things, I mean, they, those, they sound, you know, real clever uh, statements. Or what. We, can't, we can't do that as far as, far as the, the love piece, producing those things, giving when it hurts, uh, uh, putting yourself second. I mean, it's almost like the Ten Commandments, right? And we have the Ten Commandments. You think about the Ten Commandments uh, that God gave to Moses, and, and, and you see where uh, the first commandments. I'll give, you, I'll give each and every one of you the first commandment, which the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'll give you that one. But what you going to do with the second one? And love your neighbor. Add yourself. See, we just lost a whole lot of us. Love your neighbor as yourself. So... That's why people will notice when you do it and will know that you've been empowered by when that happens by a supernatural source, because this is not convenient uh, this morning, whether you know it or not, because I have a, a church that I should be at right now, but my friend asked me to come over. And the love that I have for him means that I'll drop everything to do what what he needs me to do at that time. Because we're friends. 
Now, in John 13, 34, we already looked at the scripture, so we don't have to turn there. We, we are encouraged to love as we are loved. Think about that for a minute. We are encouraged to love as we are loved. In other words, I like to call this a call to unity. A call to unity. Now, the issue of unity is love. The issue of unity is love. In other words, Christ's love for us and our willingness to love others as the Lord has loved us. That's the challenge. So there's a challenge. So think about this for a minute. God, our Heavenly Father, is not looking for behavioral modification. He's not looking for us to tweak our behavior. He's not looking for, for behavior modification. He, God is looking for heart transformation. He wants to change your heart. Now, what about, what was the most important thing that we as human beings lost? Well, we lost his presence. And that's where all chaos hit. Once the presence of God was lost, the first thing you saw in the garden when, when Adam and Eve did what they did was Cain and Abel, the brother murdered, he murdered his brother. So what, what, what was absent? His presence. So what, what do we need? That's why Jesus said this new commandment that I'm, I'm giving to you, that you love one another. And the only way that we can pull that off is that it has to be his love flowing through us. The only, way, only reason that me and Rob can work well together is because the love of God is flowing through us. And we put down our differences. We, do, we put down the, the texture of our skin to say, hey, this is my brother in Christ. I'm saying I'm living for God. Amen? I don't watch this now. So, so the church in Acts 2, even though they were... They were in their infancy stages, even though it was the only church of the Lord Jesus Christ at that particular time. God was showing us a different facet of worship. To the point where they had all things in common. So this is the thing that's so important. You've never seen me. And I've never seen you. You've just seen the house that I live in. Now, I understand I have a good looking house. <laughs> I get that. Try to get past that. But I've never really seen you. And if we ever as a people get to the point where we understand it's only this is only the house that we live in. Every, everything. So, so this is the thing. And God said this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man, but we want to make him in our image and after our likeness. And then he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over all the earth. So the question comes up, well, what is God like? Because we're made in his image and after his likeness. The question has to come up if I can find out what God is like. Well, the person who I would really always trust about who God is and what God is like is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says concerning Jesus, he's the head 
of the new creation. And Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 24, from the King James Version, he said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, he said God is a spirit. In other words, making a distinction because angels are spirits. In all honesty, demons are spirits. And I submit unto you, you are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. The real you is a spirit being. You have a soul. In your soul entails your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live inside of a physical body. Man is uniquely made where he really can contact three realms at the same time. With your spirit, man, you contact the realm of the spirit. With your soul, your mind, your will, the realm of the reasoning. And then with your body, you just need this body to live in this physical world. Man is what is called a tripartite being. Just a big theological word, but it just means that you're made up of three parts. So think about this for a minute. If I said unicycle, how many wheels is that? If I said bicycle, how many wheels is that? If I said tricycle, how many wheels is that? Man is a tripartite being. And so if we'll ever get to the point, and that's what they did in the, in the early church, they got to the point where they did not see color. To the point, and so they, had, they found out they had all things in common. And that's what a worshiping church provides. It becomes a melting pot where we just get along with, the, with people that are in our family. Amen? Amen? Think about this. The love of God will cause you to move. Will cause you to give. Will cause you to see people the way God sees them. Love, the love of God will cause you to look beyond the culture of a person to reach what only the love of God can reach. So what classifies a a worshiping church? Well, a worshiping church is a group of people who has accepted the work of Christ and believes in the work of Christ and is willing through the person of the Holy Spirit to duplicate that work through love. So in closing, I want to deal with a little story, an individual that I worked with. I worked at Xerox for about 25 years, and um, there was a gentleman there by the name of Stan. And uh, Stan was a great guy. He had some challenges like all of us do, but uh, his challenges, one of his challenges had to happen to be um, he had a drinking a drinking problem. And a lot of people would say some different things about him, but, I, but the Lord had me to, to just befriend him. And so I would cover for him a lot of times when, uh, let, let's just say that, you know, he'll be great in before lunchtime came. But after lunch, it was just a challenge, and, and I knew he was struggling, so I would be praying for him. 
And so even some to the point where sometime I said, listen, man, just, just go take your nap. I, I'll cover you. I got you. And this went on for some years. And so um, one day we, he was coming out of the break room and he started, just started crying to some other people around. And he said, Roger, he said, Roger, take me to your God. Who, who, who is your God? And so I got a chance to lead him to Christ. And so you, don't, you never know who God places us around. You, you, you never know uh, how God is going to use us. The Bible talks about that we are, we are written epistles. Our lives are written epistles. We're read by men. And so sometimes the only God that some people may see is just you. They may not ever come into a building. And so our, our marketplace, our marketplace ministry is probably, the most, is probably the most effective ministry that we can have. The people that you, because you see those people every single day, be it eight to four, whatever the case may be, via Zoom now, you're still, you're seeing those people. But do those individuals, do they really know about God? Because there is going to be a reckoning. There is a time when all this stuff is going to be shut down. And then there'll be the judgment, as, as, as the Bible says. But this guy, Stan, he was just, just an awesome, awesome individual. And I got a chance to, to lead him to Christ. But, but winning him by first just, just befriending him. So who is it in your life right now? We're talking about uh, the worshiping church provides. Who, who, you, you're the church. Uh, we get it. We have In Christ New Hope Ministry building. We have uh, Brown Cross Community building. Okay, okay. All right. That's the church building where we gather. But do you know actually that you are the church? See, we are the church individually. We are the body of Christ collectively. And so think how, how effective we are right now. Or we can be because several hundred people in here this morning. So all of us hopefully have received Christ as Savior and confess him as Lord. So when we disperse, man, you know, how, you know how effective we can be now? Now the Holy Spirit can move through each and every one of us. So who's in your inner circle that God is really trying to get you to get to? And how are you around that individual? Are you praying for those particular individuals that you know that are lost, that just may be in your immediate family, then your coworkers? God place you in the family that you're in for that reason. That's, that's the only thing. God, God, you know, the Bible says God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Last scripture. Let's take a look at this. Psalms 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is what? Last time, taste and see that the Lord is what? God's objective with Israel was for them to be an example to the world. And the people, the world was going to look at Israel and see how good God was to them that the world would get jealous to the point where they would come, that the world would come to Israel and tell share, share with us who is your God. And so you really become the tasting factor. 
taste and see. So when someone tastes you, <laughs> do they understand that the Lord is good? Or do you go in every day with, a, with, a, with a, just an attitude of, of, of just being all kind of other things? No, God is good. And what God is saying, taste, he's saying to the world, taste each and every one of you and see that I'm good. God has been good to you. I'm out of time. Thank you for yours. Every eye closed, please. I don't just want to say automatically that I believe that everyone in here has given their lives to Christ according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which states that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible says thou shalt be saved. So if you are here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, I didn't say if you've ever been to church. A lot of people come into the church building. But, but, but have you, do you have a personal relationship? Have you received the lordship of Jesus? Receive him as Savior. Confess him as the Lord of your life. God loves you. And he has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. But that plan and that purpose, it starts in the here and now. So if you are here and you've never given your life to Christ, you never made the commitment, and you've been coming, that's great. That means that you've been hearing something. But I think it's time today to make the commitment. Take the next step. Receive the Lordship of Jesus. If that's you, just stay exactly where you are. But if you would like to give your life to Christ this morning, just raise your right hand. Don't be concerned about who's on your right, who's on your left. If you would like to give your life to Christ, don't be afraid. Just lift your right hand. I'm just going to stay, just stay right where you are and just repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, you said in your word that if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, that you have raised Jesus from the dead. Father, you said I would be saved. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And I'll live my life for you. Brother, sister, if you made that declaration, we would like to welcome you into the family of God. Let's give them a hand.